Hello, you are listening to Or So They Say, the podcast where two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Megan. And I wanted to start this off with a question that I almost asked off recording, but I just want the world to know and I want to ask. Uh, if you could wash your brain, if you could take your brain out of your head and wash it, mm-hmm. would you wash it with cold water or hot water? Well, it depends. Okay. If it's in the morning or in the <laughs> evening. If I'm going to bed, mm-hmm. warm. Warm water? Mm-hmm. I feel like I said, uh, best of both worlds, I would take it, I would take my brain out, and I would boil it, mm-hmm. and then right at the boiling point, I would take it out and drop it in an ice bath and blanch it. I, what? Shock it system. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking if I'm getting ready to go to bed, I want to be nice and cozy, and it's like, mm have a warm brain <laughs> i mean i guess so i mean also like I you could, could talk it. about bones and teeth and how you would clean those but don't talk about teeth <laughs> i know okay we won't talk about teeth and your your new teeth your newly acquired teeth i got my new teeth yay i said it in the other podcast and i'll say it on this one i have teeth i'm not wearing them to do the episode because i do have a bit of a impediment when i <laughs> use it saliva so. build up can't yeah. have that dude anyone out there with like retainers or partial dentures or dentures in general how do you do this because my teeth hurt i've had them like 24 hours and they hurt i already know uh i have not been to the dentist for an undisclosed amount of time but when i do go me and you have the same issue i'm sure they will suggest the same thing Mm -hmm. uh we'll cross that bridge when i get there oh i guess (laughs) I don't know. They said I can try it for a week, and if I'm not comfy with it, they can uh, reshape it and mm-hmm. give it back. And I'm like, okay, so we yeah. will see. Yeah. Uh, the only I was just thinking because that question about the brain was asked at my place of work, mm-hmm. and another question that was asked is like, if somebody broke into the building right now, what and you could only grab one item to defend yourself, what would you grab? And thinking in a coffee shop, what would you? I think I'd grab the blender and swing it by the uh, by the, the by cord. the electric cord. I said I would just get a pitcher of the hot water. But then you have to wait like, hold on, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but uh I mean throwing a pitcher of that one hundred and ninety eight degree water at a person, I've that had some hurts. of it spill on my hand and it is not fun. Mm-hmm. Imagine getting it like thrown in your face. Then you've got all the time in the world to get away. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's coffee already brewed, even though it's not peak hot yeah you could still throw it i mean it's the same temperature water yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they would have to come every two hours that would ensure its freshness (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i just feel it because everyone's like i would grab the heaviest object i would grab the the cash register i would grab we do have like a meat tenderizer in the back kind of that's Mm -hmm. to break up frozen fruit um all these things i was or you know the knife i feel like when i worked at a coffee shop we were asked the same question and Mm -hmm. someone did bring up a good point they're like you could just take the whipped cream canisters because they're the metal ones where you make it yourself with nitro um with uh like the no2 is that what it is it's been a long time since anyway yeah take that and just start chucking them because we have like a dozen oh that's wild to me that you i mean we just have like a big whipped cream machine Mm -hmm. it's a pain in the patoot because we got to clean it like twice a week but whatever Mm. um yeah, I don't know. That's all. Just curious. 
Yeah. I'm a, I'd swing a blender. <laughs> I'd swing a blender. I would throw 200 degree water in your face. Uh, see, my luck is I'd go to swing the blender and it would like, as I'm whipping it over my head, I'd like hit myself or something. <laughs> our, our blenders could never. We had two. We're down to one. I don't think she could take it, truthfully. Oh, no. What I mean, brand get, is it? Oh, I Blendtec. Oh, our, we used Vitamix. Okay, yeah, because you've got the you've got the the lid the lid that is up. detachable, so you could throw that at first, and then while they're ducking, swing them with the the actual blender. But mm-hmm. I would have to like crawl underneath a countertop to get ours unplugged. It's not worth it, truthfully. <laughs> I don't know. I would just hope that they were wearing like Vans or Converse or any not non-slip shoes and come to the back and watch Canvas them slide into, slide into Jesus's arms on that wet floor where the ice <laughs> machine where the ice bucket thing is I do it every day oh. uh, if I'm not wearing like if I'm wearing my vans at least once a day I will slide across the floor it's great I told you about when John and I went to that restaurant a uh, newer restaurant in town and yes yeah about slipping in the afterlife it was awful yeah <laughs> and then some girl really did she well not into the afterlife but she definitely got a, a quick glimpse <laughs> <laughs> okay goodness gracious well you know what we can talk about whatever we want because it's our podcast but what we're going to talk about today is also it's a personal experience wow a mm-hmm. place that we've been wow very exciting uh for one of us Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is a situation where I think we've done something like this before where I went to a haunted location that you weren't able to make it to. Yeah, you went to Madison. Yes. So we are now going to Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. Yes. Uh, Megan went on a nice little vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I get invited? No. no. Are my feelings hurt? Yeah. But I didn't <laughs> tell them that until just now. Uh, but so Megan's going to tell us about her experience in memphis i'm just going to live vicariously through her yes <laughs> and memphis is crazy as far as haunted stuff goes yeah oh yeah yeah uh i mean it's no like savannah georgia or new orleans yeah that sort of thing and the drive oh my god from <laughs> Terre Haute, indiana to memphis tennessee is the most boring drive so do you go through, I feel dumb, right underneath this is Kentucky, mm-hmm. and then do you go from Kentucky to Tennessee, or do mm-hmm. you have to pass through anything we else? We went through four different states. Georgia? Uh, um, No, Georgia's further south, but it's after you get through everything. What was it? We, Indiana, we went through Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, of course. Maybe it was five states. I feel like there was one more. Did we go, we went through Missouri at some point, I think? It was weird. Yeah, that's the way weird to swing... Yeah, it's kind of like how when we have to travel south, it's like head north for an hour and a half to Indianapolis and then shoot south. And somehow it's like three hours shorter drive time than any other like it is way yeah. you can take, well, which is crazy. Indianapolis from here is not straight north. It's more, um, it's a you slight know, east than anything. It's yeah. definitely northeast, uh, but it'll swing you down south. You go through the spaghetti bowl, is what they call it. Oh, that's yeah. Well, because oh, if you with look all at the yeah, layers, if you funny. look all around um, Indianapolis, four sixty five, sixty five, I seventy, all these like they just call it the spaghetti bowl because it's just a hot, hot mess of <laughs> roads. And if you don't know where you're going, good luck. And the thing is, because it's a giant bowl, you'll end up back there in the next forty five minutes. If you missed your turn, just keep going. Yeah, you'll circle back around. But we're not in Indianapolis. We're in Tennessee. We're in Memphis. 
So because I didn't go, I'm going to give you some background. I feel like I've already talked a lot, but let's talk some more. Okay. So I did the huge, the demographics of Memphis, which is located in Shelby County, Tennessee. It's the county seat. I'm not even going to give you any, like, <laughs> you know, anticipation for that. Uh, let's see. With a 2023 population of 621,777, it is the second largest city in Tennessee and the 25th largest in the U.S., yeah, it's big. <laughs> She's sizable. Uh, but Memphis is currently declining at a rate of negative 0.51% annually, and its population has decreased by 1.51% since the most recent census, which recorded a population of 631,326. In 2020, that's a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, spanning over 326 miles, Memphis has a population density of 1,959 people per square mile. That's insane. It's dense. Yeah. She's dense. The average household income in Memphis is 62588 It's right around the middle with mm-hmm. a poverty rate of 30.5%. I figured as much. She's bad. It's not good. Uh, just driving through it, um, a lot of uh, disparaging places. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, the nice places are really nice, but... Yeah, there's I feel your- like that happens with the big cities. Yeah, the impoverished places were really bad. Desolate. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, the median rental costs in recent years comes to, and granted, I had to pull this from like uh, Zillow or whatever, because for some reason, world population has just stopped caring about all that. <laughs> uh, but the median rental cost that I could come up with was eight ninety nine per month for a one bedroom apartment. That seems on that's well for me. It seems on the high side. Uh huh. But I think... Well, the national average is, isn't is like 12 or... or 12. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's probably a two-bedroom. So it's probably right on par, honestly. I guess. Tarot's just cheap. Yes. And the median house value is one forty two three ninety nine from Zillow. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm burping. What in the world? <laughs> now, the thing with the median house value is... I have trouble looking that one up because, again, World Population Review does not... Uh, provide that information mm-hmm. but you have to be careful because when I was looking it up it says like the median like house listed value mm-hmm. is almost 200,000 in Memphis houses are being listed for much much higher than they're probably actually worth because that's just the way that the market is right now yeah so the one that I found that said the value of the home not the list price of the home was between 140 and 120 which makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before. I've been pretty open about the numbers on my home. I bought it for 50 right now. Depending on the different sources that you look at, it values for up to 80. <laughs> and like, I mean, granted, I think this house is worth close to that. I think I got a steal out of it, but. Yeah. Uh, it's just, the it's a, I don't even know if you would call it a buyer's market or a seller's market. Truthfully, it's almost a buyer's market because. Right, the seller because the sellers are at the mercy of the buyers they're not selling at the prices that they want and so the buyers have a lot of power negotiating power i think i could be really wrong but that's the way it feels i feel like it is a seller's market just because the home value is so much higher than uh what it was last year so yes yeah um, i suppose it just depends to me it is a lot higher and i think people recognize that and they're like i know what the worth really is i don't know depends on how strong-willed you are (laughs) money is just what even is it it's It's fake really (laughs) yeah uh the median age in memphis is 34.2 years 32.4 for males 36 for females so 
pretty on par. According to the most recent ACS, the racial composition of Memphis was, and I don't know if this is a first for us or not, um, it's not white. It is not white at all. I also figured as much. Mm-hmm. It is a 64.41% black or African American, uh, 27.87% white, 3.52% other race, 2.21% two or more races, 1.76% Asian, 2.2% sorry Native American, and then 0.03% Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. So I feel like that tracks. Just considering some of the places that I visited, we stopped at a Walmart while I was there, and I totally, you all know how we feel. Like, we are very open with our, uh, like, we're, we're trying to be on the right side as much as we can, but I understand that sometimes we're ignorant to some things. The so. right side as in being oh, God. a decent yes. human being. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not. I know they don't think right or left in this situation. I'm saying... The thing is that the right side is believing that everybody has rights and everybody's equal. Like, it's weird. What, mm-hmm. a, what a silly concept to believe that everybody deserves yes. something. But go so, on. So, please believe it's really not that deep that I'm having to preface it this much. But what I'm saying is I stopped at a Walmart because I had to buy some pants because I ripped my freaking pants. <laughs> and I was really sad. And... um it was, it was kind of jarring because when I walked into the Walmart, I realized between the shoppers and the employees, I was the only white person in the building that I ran into. And I was like, wow, this is weird because mm-hmm. I just, I've never been in a place, I've never been in that situation, I guess. And not to say that I have, avoided. I'm alluding to the fact like, oh, no, I know how it feels. No, not even close, but it just, it was very it was a culture shock to walk into a place and be the only white person in the building. Right. I mean, it is interesting um, how the bubbles that are created societally, really, it's not necessarily, it's where we're planted. It's by design sometimes. And Mm -hmm. Memphis is, I mean, we'll get, we'll actually get to why it is a larger African-American population. Um, but it is, it's like we take all these things for granted and we get to feel comfortable in our own little bubbles. And it's like, I don't know, it is interesting to be thrown into different situations like that. The jarring experience of like, dang, there are more than white people out here. Yeah. Um, because we do live, Terre Haute is a little diverse, but it's pretty, pretty white for the most part. Yeah, and where I was staying in Memphis was pretty close to a college campus, so it was diverse. It was pretty diverse there. But mm-hmm. when we got into, like, the heart of Memphis, that's when I was like, wow. Yeah, and it's, um, I said I wouldn't allude to this, but I feel like it's also no secret then that I think there, Maddie has come home. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not cutting that. Um, I feel like it's no secret that there is a correlation between how high the black and African-American population is and how high the poverty rate of Memphis is. I don't think I'm not speculating here. That is just facts Mm -hmm. that you can draw that conclusion. And I just think it's silly. I think it's silly that it is right there in black and white on paper. Yeah. That didn't escape me either. I was, I think we even talked about it on our trip. I'm just like, the more diverse the demographics are, the higher the poverty level. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it is a trip. It is a trip, man. And like, when will it end? Who it's knows? It's eye opening <laughs> when you get to. And I didn't. I mean, in, I mean, relatively, Memphis is not that far from our hometown. 
it's mm-hmm. not i mean i could go to california and really be shocked you know by the culture yeah but uh or out west um but even just going six six hours south i was like wow mm-hmm. so well anyway sorry uh, for that I little know tangent you, no it's okay i know you're like ooh, i don't know if i want to talk about that i'm probably gonna keep it because like we all need to learn a thing or two don't we yeah, just please. If I, I hope I didn't say anything like offensive <laughs> or whatever. I just, it was. Well, we true. try our, we try our hardest, and we learn every day. That's all. Yes. So anyway, <clears throat> let's move on to this. I actually got um, Memphis sort of background. I'm gonna obviously get into the haunted location backgrounds, but I got Memphis background surprisingly from WorldPopulationReview.com. It had a whole little section about Memphis history uh, that I feel like summed it up pretty well, pretty concisely. Okay. So, and I do have, like, I've got some extensive notes, so I'm going to try to breeze through it. But uh, let's get uh, the Memphis population statistics. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, Memphis is the, okay, actually, pause, stop. Here's what I don't (laughs) understand. This first sentence makes absolutely no sense to me. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, Memphis is the poorest city in the United States with a median household income of $32,285 or $37,767 for a family. Let's scroll back up a mere two two paragraphs prior to where it says the average household income is $62,588. Because okay, so it said thirty some thousand per. That could be per individual. So it says the median household income, which uh, I now here's where I'm like here's where I feel dumb and I don't know the big dif- the big difference between the average household income is sixty two, the median household income is thirty two. So what is the biggest difference between average and median that it is that drastic? I assume they were kind of the same thing. <laughs> I assume so, so, also. And so it says it's between 32 and 37 for a family. Mm-hmm. Now, that statement is super, super false. And it kind of annoys me. Like, I feel like World Population Review proves itself less and less helpful in some aspects. Because if you look up the poorest cities in the United States, still number one for years and years running is detroit michigan it is so impoverished it is insane Mm -hmm. um but memphis tennessee wasn't even in the top 10 for the poorest cities and truthfully it wasn't in the top for tennessee Hmm. so i don't know where they got that statement from but it is very false yeah Yeah. So, so i don't whatever um because also here um what's the word when it's uh, making itself wrong from prior statements uh mm-hmm. it, when it is ch- ch- uh, oh my god please give me the word um, <laughs> spirits somebody tell me what the word is oh it's right on the tip of my tongue where it the problem is i have to sit in silence to think about these words but i'm not going to do that to you guys um <laughs> They are... Put some hold music on so it come to your brain. They are... Come on. This is insane. I'm going to cut this. <laughs> okay, I am going to cut this. Hold on. We're back. It's contradicting themselves. Oh, my God. <laughs> contradicting themselves with this information. 
That was, there was so much tension in this room. I know. I think we were about to fist fight for some reason. <laughs> I know I was going to punch you and neither of us knew why. Uh, but the contradictory statement is 17% of families and almost 21% of the population lives below the poverty line, including 30% of people under the age of 18. Uh, 17% is bad. 21% is worse. That is still 9% lower than their previously stated poverty level. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know, unless it's based off previous years, like the this partial, inf- this information is update, maybe it's by like 2010 standards or something. I can say with confidence that Detroit, Michigan has been the most impoverished, impoverished city in the U.S. for a long time running. They are undefeated. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So we're, we're going to like trash that information. I don't really trust them. But the rest of this, I'm going to, silly enough, trust and just go with. Okay. So, population growth in Memphis metropolitan area is currently stagnant according to the recent census estimates. The nine-county metro area has grown just 0.6% per year, while metro Nashville is growing three times faster. Memphis is located on a large bluff rising from the Mississippi River, which means Native Americans quickly settled it. The Mississippi culture first settled it. Uh, huh? I don't know. Europeans <laughs> first explored the area in the 16th century, first by the Spanish explorer Hernando de Soto and French explorers. The Spanish governor of Louisiana acquired land in the area at the end of the 18th century and built a fort, although the territory was ceded eventually to the United States. It then became the westernmost point of the new state of Tennessee in 1796. Memphis was not laid out as a city until 1819. Uh, at which point it was named after the ancient Egyptian capital on the Nile. Did you know that? I did learn that in my tour that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I can't remember if you told me that or if I heard it somewhere else. But yeah, there's a Memphis, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Like, weird, right? Crazy. It quickly became a transportation center because it is located in a flood-free area high above the river while the outlying areas become became cotton plantations. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Many African-American slaves were brought to the area, and Memphis transformed into a slave market. Around one million slaves were transported to plantations in the area in a forced migration in the 1800s, many along the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. Increased immigration in the 1840s through the 1860s caused the Irish population to increase from 9.9% to 23.2% in 1860. Goodness. Yes. Tennessee seceded from the Union in 1861, and Memphis became a Confederate stronghold until the Union captured it, mm-hmm. uh, captured its army, and used it as a supply base. This attracted many escaped slaves to the city, and the population rose from 3,000 in 1860 to 20,000 just five years later. Eee. <laughs> Uh, this led to growing tension between Irish policemen and black Union soldiers after the war, culminating in the Memphis riot in 1866, with the population plummeting to 15,000 by 1870. So they went from 3,000 to 20,000 in five years, and then in one year they lost 5,000 of those people. Goodness. Uh, or in four years, whatever. In the next decade, the population was further decimated by an outbreak of yellow fever, which caused the Memphis population to fall by 75%. Mm-hmm. Uh, this led to the city to, to lose its charter for five years. The city quickly began to grow again with a population that rose 92% from 1880 to 1890. <laughs> Dang. Uh, so that's the quick little synopsis of Memphis. Um, and I, I mean, why... The African-American population is as large as it is because, I don't, it was, 
one of the few, I'm assuming, I'm assuming a lot here, one of the safe havens in the South after the Union, you know, captured it, took care of it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there's, there's that for you. Exciting. Sorry, I feel like I'm like, <sighs> I'm breathing, I'm breathing heavy. Do we need another break? No, I don't need another break. Okay. I need to lose some dang weight. Oh lord. <laughs> um. Any hoot. We. I now I'm going to discuss as quickly as I can because I don't want to take up a million years, even though I might. Uh, the different locations that Megan has decided to highlight on her trip. Yes. The first of which I'm going to cover is Ernestine and Hazel's, which is a dive bar. <laughs> According to ErnestineandHazel.com, quote, the best dive bar in the world. Ah, uh, yes. I don't know about that. <laughs> I did eat the food there. Do they have the Soul Burger? Yep, that's I what that. I had. And was it, was it, uh, did it give you life? Was it? It, um, so it's just a hamburger with, <laughs> <laughs> you can either get it plain or loaded. Those are your options. Mm-hmm. So you no, get. You can't get loaded minus this and that. Right. Mm-hmm. No time. No time for that. So I had like pickles, onions, ketchup, mustard, uh, and cheese maybe? I can't remember. I think maybe cheese. No, no compla- cheese. No complaints here. None. Uh, it was greasy as a dive bar burger. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it was good. I mean, it wasn't too bad. Okay, so... It smelled amazing. When we got off the tour bus, I said, what is that? <laughs> I was so freaking hungry. Okay, so I'm going to cover each little spot that you gave me. I'm going to cover the history history and then the haunted history, what little or excess that gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all coming from Ernestine and Hazel website. The things that make Ernestine and Hazel's the best dive bar in the country are and will always be rooted in Memphis. Located downtown on South Main Street, Ernestine and Hazel's welcomes you to enjoy the greatest jukebox in the country, taste our nationally recognized Soul Burger, and check... I hate that word so much. Soul or burger? Burger! I do hate that one, too. (laughs) And check out our ghost tours to see if the sisters are still around. Since our opening in 92... uh, 1992, I suppose. Well, see, that's... 18? Well, as the dive bar, 92. We'll get into that. Uh, we've been featured in nine movies written about in magazines like Playboy and Esquire, visit, <laughs> visited by many celebrities and deemed one of the most haunted places in America. Of course wow, of course I have. <laughs> uh, to keep the spirit of Memphis alive, our upstairs piano player and live bands play soul, jazz, and blues all night long, and our cooks keep enough soul burgers warm to keep you going. But above all else, what makes Ernestine and Hazel's the best dive bar is our customers. Wow. So if you haven't been here, swing by and see what we're about. We promise good times. Wow. (laughs) History. The building that would become Ernestine and Hazel's started out as a pharmacy in the late 30s. So it's going to go through a lot of iterations, right? Okay. And it ran as an old pharmacy. Uh, what? And it ran as any old pharmacy would until the owner, Abe Plow, uh, Mm -hmm. created a product that could, quote, straighten the hair out. Oh. Which now, saying that aloud sounds sus to me. I don't know. Sounds a little racist. It, do- it really <laughs> does. Um, his concoction took storm by between New York to New Orleans, allowing people to position their hair into the slick styles we're used to seeing in old sepia-toned pictures. Abe later went on to make the famous copper-toned suntan lotion. And, oh. yeah, and overwhelmed with this mounting financial success, I'm sure that was very overwhelming, <laughs> uh, gave the building to two hairstylists that were using his product upstairs, Ernestine and Hazel. Oh, would you look at that? Yeah, the two cousins turned the building into a cafe. Meanwhile, Ernestine's husband, a street promoter named, named Sunbeam, 
<laughs> opened a nearby music joint called Club Paradise, which hosted legends like B.B. King, Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, Motown, Ray Charles, Bo Diddley, Sam Cooke, Chuck Berry, and Jackie Wilson. That's a lot. Yes. Throughout the next 20 years, these musicians walked from Club Paradise to Ernestine Hazel's each night so they could get food, tell stories, and find action from women upstairs. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. My favorite. <laughs> the good times rolled until the 70s when Club Paradise got boarded up with the rest of downtown Memphis. Fast forward to 1992, Bud Chittum and Delmer George bought the E&H property. A couple of years later, Bud decided to bring on Russell George, no relation to Delmer, who was dancing and singing his way around the area. George owned another nearby bar at the time, and Chittum knew George's laid-back cool was the perfect attitude to represent E and H. Ernestine and Hazel is more than just a cool dive bar. It represents the history of Memphis. It it represents the soul, jazz, and blues that echoed into streets and the legends like B.B. King, Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, Franklin, that were there for solace. Went there for solace. Holy heck. (laughs) Uh, but most of all, Ernestine and Hazel's represents what Memphis is all about. Great music, great food, and great times. Wow. Uh, Neat. And the family owned, operated for more than 20 years. It's owned and operated by a group of friends that endeavored to keep E&H's the same old dive bar that we've known for lo- and loved for decades. Um, I wonder if this has the picture. So that's their history history. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it does have. And I'll try to read this. I thought I might start... Um, what do you call it? Skimming? I don't know. I'll okay. do Well, no, I just feel bad. I don't want to talk all day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be a long episode. It's fine, guys. Strap That's in. all right. So actually, would you like to do it this way? We should have discussed this not recording. Would you like to, to break up everyone listening to me just drone on forever and ever and ever? Would you like to jump in with the locations? I can. After I explain them. Okay. Yeah. And I think that'll be good for, you know, keeping the haunted part of it up at the mm-hmm. forefront because if i explain this and then we get to the end and you're like let's talk about this ghost and you can't remember which is which right right right. we'll do it that way you heard you heard <laughs> our plans here first everyone yeah. this is coming from vice.com what it's like to work at the most haunted bar in america of course working for 13 years at memphis bar ernestine and hazel's karen brownlee has seen it all from poltergeist jukebox to floating orbs to voices from the walls that know her by name oh this is And because it's Vice, like, they interviewed her, so a lot of it is in first person. Okay. I've been working at Ernestine and Hazel's for 13 years. Yes, ma'am. If if you ever come in, I'll still be here. I'm like a fixture on the wall here. I started working here at the end of 2001. I love it. I'm originally from Memphis, born and raised. To be honest with you, when I'm at work, I don't really like talking about this stuff. I just get an eerie feeling because I feel like the spirits might be listening, and I feel like I'm disrespecting them or something. It's crazy, I know, but I don't know how to explain it. And that's true. Right, girl, we got it. <laughs> the Ernestine and Hazel's building originated in the late 1800s when it was built as a church. <laughs> and oh, the history it would have after that. Huh. Uh, then it was a pharmacy and a sun-dry store, then an old jazz cafe and a brothel before it became a bar, so there's a lot of unsettled spirits in here. The brothel was upstairs, Ernestine's husband owned the club, and all the jazz musicians used to hang out here. Casually, Ray Charles used to stay upstairs and do heroin and mess with the prostitutes. <laughs> oh, Good for him. (laughs) Ernestine and Hazel, who were sisters, that isn't contradictive, lord, that word. Mm -hmm. Because didn't in the other thing it say cousins? Um, no, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Here it says they're sisters. They came in the mid-1950s and then Russell George opened it in St. Patrick's Day 93. 
Hazel died in 95. Ernestine didn't die until 98. She and Russell became really good friends. She told him all the stuff about the place and they used to hang out. Uh, but having worked here, we've experienced it. Russell, who was the previous owner, um, completed suicide upstairs a year ago. Mm-hmm. He made that place what it is today. And then... I never went here except one time before I started working here. Even before I started working here, the place is known for its famous soul burgers. Yeah, we know. (laughs) I used to sell the burgers to Russell. I worked at a meat market for six years. He told me if I ever wanted a job to come by. Uh, Obviously, she eventually came by. Weird stuff happens here all the time, though. I've been here by myself, and I heard the piano playing upstairs. It sounds like people are wandering around, talking up here. Uh, All those rooms from the brothel, brothel are still upstairs. Paranormal types are always up here spending the night. You can take you can't take a picture up here without getting an orb in it. They're everywhere. I heard through the grapevine though that I'm not sure if it, so I'm not sure if it's true that some of the prostitutes were killed upstairs. I'm pretty sure all the spirits are women. I've never really studied any of that stuff and I never believed in it until I worked here. But there's no doubt in my mind that there's something in this building. I feel like whatever's in here will take care of me because I've been here so long. I respect the place. There was this guy who used to work here for 15 years. He went upstairs one day, and I swear he came running down through the bar, out the door, and all the way home, and he will not go up there to this day. Uh, He saw something in here that scared him to death. He couldn't explain what it was. Uh, It's mainly between upstairs that I've dealt with, except downstairs. The jukebox sometimes comes on periodically and plays songs at random. This happens all the time. You can ask my customers this. We'll be sitting here talking about something on the jukebox, about something, and the jukebox will blare a song pertaining to whatever they're talking about. It's on the nose. I mean, well, one time my coworker and I were talking about James Brown on the day that he died. All of a sudden, the jukebox blared on out of nowhere, scared me half to death, and started playing I Feel Good by James Brown. Hmm. So... Oh, another time a paranormal was in here talking about exorcism and stuff with Russell, and all of a sudden the song by the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, started playing on its own. Oh, no. (laughs) I think the only time I really got scared was when I was standing next to the jukebox and it felt like somebody touched me. Uh, Sometimes you can take pictures and you see faces in the wall. Hmm. I've got customers who go upstairs with their little gadgets and stuff I've been (laughs) up there with uh, when they've had their flashlights on. And when I come in, they're saying, Karen's here, Karen's here, and the flashlights start going on and off. I think she means the spirits are saying, Karen's here. Uh Uh-huh. So. Excuse me. You can hear voices every now and then. You can't really make out what they're saying, but people are talking. Uh, Everyone used to think that the cleanup guy we had for years was crazy because he'd say that as soon as he'd walk in a certain room, they'd say, here he is again. (laughs) Uh, But I definitely believe it after working here for 13 years. Um... Let's see. I've also had people making fun of the place. One night, this is a true story, some people were sitting at the bar making fun of ghosts and talking trash about Ernestine and Hazel. All of a sudden, the light started getting brighter, dimmer, brighter, dimmer, until it was bright as sunshine in here. Oh, no. And so they freaked out and left. Uh, Let's see. Oh, this is an interesting one. I'll read this one, too. I've had all kinds of weird experiences with money, too. One time we had a money bag go missing, couldn't find it, looked everywhere. Then one Friday, five years later, I was shooting pool with one of the co-workers, and it was, it was dead as heck at the bar. Uh, I knocked the cue ball off the table, and it rolled underneath the couch. We picked up the couch, and underneath it laid a money bag with cobwebs and stuff all over it. What? I called Russell, and he's like, I have no idea where that came from. And I'm guessing they, like, picked it up and put it somewhere. 
Uh-huh. It says, God, <laughs> I don't, I'm not even the one talking and my throat's like going out. Just give her a good, <clears throat> okay. Uh, but the next Saturday, another coworker was shooting pool. Same thing happened, knocked the cue ball off and it went under the couch. We picked up the couch and in the exact same spot was the money bag that had been missing for five years. Huh. So weird. Wow. And then she tells a story about how um, her son had passed away. He was shot and killed. She was sad about it. And she's like, I need a sign that he's okay. And a little bird, this little bird like walked out from a booth and walked up to her, stared and then flew away. And then right after that, this woman walked in, random woman, never seen her. She's like, are you okay, ma'am? So she tells her the story about her son. Mm-hmm. And the lady bids her farewell, leaves, comes back. And she's like, I bought you something. And she bought her a sterling silver necklace with a bird on it. Oh, so, and I don't huh. think she told her about the bird. Yeah. So she's like, I took that as my son. She's like, I think the building takes care of me now because I'm respectful of it and whatever. Yeah. Um, And it even gave her a sign that her son's okay now. So. Well, that's cool. And there were some other things, but I will not drone on. Now, tell me about Ernestine and Hazel's. Well, you're going to be disappointed because okay. we did not go into Ernestine and Hazel's. You had the food. Yeah. Dad and John went and got the food. So here's what <laughs> happened. The ghost tour, I went on a ghost tour. I guess I could have started with that. It was a bus tour and it's through a, a metaphysical store there just across the street from the the dive bar. This sounds exactly like Alton. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. This is um the this metaphysical store is called the Broom Closet and it is so freaking cute. So when you first walk in, it looks like just a little sidewalk shop almost, like very probably about the size of this room mm-hmm. and they've got, you know, crystals and pendants and things like that. And then there was a hallway, but they had a curtain up when we went there that night and I was like, "Oh, there must be like storage back there and stuff." But mm-hmm. I came to find out cuz they we stopped by in the morning the next day and um, that hallway leads back to a huge room, another room full of tarot cards and Ouija boards and um, incense, uh, just all the stuff that's clothing, missing from the front. anything yeah. you could possibly want metaphysical or otherwise was back there. I was like, Dang. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot going on. Um, but no, the, the tour, it started outside out, front of the metaphysical store and they talked about Ernestine Hazel's but we didn't actually go into it we just got to talk about it so no unfortunately I did not get to experience anything inside the building I will say though the story you talked about uh where the money bag mm-hmm. went missing they found it five years later definitely gave me Amityville vibes I don't know how long it's been since you've seen Amityville a very long time okay. and I have not seen the one with no Ryan we don't care or whatever neither yet. have I <laughs> but uh <laughs> No, I'm talking about the OG, and there's a part where um, the brother of, uh, oh my gosh, her name, it just like escaped me. Uh, Anyway, the wife's brother is getting married, and he's sitting on the couch, and he keeps counting the money for the caterer, and it's like $1,000 or something, which this is in the 70s. This is crazy. Um, It was a lot of money, and he kept counting it and counting it, and then he gets up to go, and he puts his hand on his pocket, and he's like, uh, my money's gone. And then they start digging in the couch cushions, and they look under the couch, and the money band is there, but Mm -hmm. the money's gone. Oh. And it's just, he had it in his hand, put it in his suit pocket, and then it was gone. 
Gross. Mm -hmm. So that's, I definitely got Amityville vibes from that. And this sounds dumb, but is that the uh, dramatized thing or did that actually happen? It's (sighs) hard to tell anymore, I know. Amityville I mean, is so spoilers, the entirety of Amityville is dramatized, the real life people, and not so much. The, there's a lot of speculation that literally none of that ever happened. Did we ever talk about Amityville on this podcast? No, but my other podcast, Retro Club, that's our first episode, we discuss Amityville. And I get into it a little bit about the true crime, but um, pretty much everyone agrees it was a hoax that the Lutzes, Kathy, that was her name, Kathy, Kathy. Lutz. Um, yeah. Well, the Lutzes capitalized on an actually very serious true crime. Yeah, like a quadruple homicide, I think. Mm-hmm. Or five people. I think five people died. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, murder-suicide or was no, it? it no. Nope. Okay. Um, George. No, his name's not George. Uh, Ronald DeFeo is the one who committed the, the the murders, and he did not kill himself. He pleaded insanity, and well, probably he got that. They told him he was insane, mm-hmm. and he swore up and down that the devil told him to do it, or somebody told him to do it. And uh, I think he he may have died recently, but he mm-hmm. he was spending his entire life in prison. Yeah, no, it's really unfortunate about the Amityville horror, the Lutzes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. If you want to read up on some stuff, read up on that one. It's nuts. And watch the movie. Yeah. But yeah, nothing about Ernestine and Hazel. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Uh, Well, the jukebox is interesting because it's interesting because it's funny. They're like, come see the most famous jukebox in America or something like that. And it's like uh, an account that I read is like the jukebox is not really even functioning. Oh. And it'll play... But I don't think that's correct. But I think it does. Someone was like, "You can." it has to work. Because they're like, you can punch in whatever number you want. It's not going to play the song you punch in. It's going to play whatever it feels like. Oh. Uh, so they're like, don't, you can pick a song, but it will not play that. Like, it's just like, mm, I'm feeling James Brown. I feel good. Like, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to move on to the Woodruff found, found, Fontaine. Fontaine. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woodruff Fontaine home. Yep, that's fine. Okay, okay. This one's going to be a quick, quicker one. I think the Ernestine and Hazel was hefty. These are going to be a little more concise. That's You're fine. welcome. You're welcome. Uh, built in 1871 along, quote, Millionaire's Row, this French Victorian mansion was home to two prominent Memphis families. Amos Woodruff, a successful carriage maker, built the house for his family. Noland Fontaine, an established businessman, purchased the house from the Woodruffs in 1883, where they lived until 1929. The house was sold to Rosa Lee to expand her art school, which moved to Overton Park in 1959 and established themselves as the Memphis College of Art. This house was vacant until 1961, when the Association for the Preservation of Tennessee Antiquities restored the mansion and it opened its doors as a historic house museum. That is the brief history of the house itself. Mm-hmm. Now, the haunted, if this will ever load, thank you, <laughs> is, was this one a little lengthy? No, this isn't bad either. Oh, hello there. Get away, ad. I decided to just leave the, the. Um, I'm actually using the internet on this one, and it's like, do you want to, do you want to uh, subscribe? I don't. Yeah. Actually, I can't commit to anything. Okay. Join our newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Molly Woodruff is mm-hmm. what it says. Molly Woodruff's story is a sad one, and it is pretty sad. Yeah. She lived in Memphis during the late 1800s in a house on Millionaire's Road, now Victorian Village. 
Three days after she gave birth to her first child, the baby died of yellow fever. Three months after that, her husband fell out of a boat while on a fishing trip and died a few hours later at home. Jesus Christ. Eventually, Molly remarried and moved into another house with her new husband. She had a second child that also died as an infant. <laughs> Man. It's said that when Molly died, her spirit came back to haunt the Woodruff Fontaine house because that's where she was happiest in life. Was she, though? I don't know. That didn't sound like a happy time to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess first <laughs> husband, maybe. Yeah. Susan Morgan, the events coordinator for the house, said that she's had personal experiences with the various ghosts in Woodruff Fontaine house. She's had a string of pearls ripped from her neck, her hair stand up, and she's had to smooth out the bedclothes in Molly's bedroom in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Woodruff Fontaine house was completed in 1871. It's one of the only houses in Victorian Village that's completely restored, furnished, and open to the public. The house also has a very large collection of Victorian clothing, which they put a note, which is all tiny. Apparently, people were much shorter then. Oh. <laughs> if, and it's funny because they have an image of, like, a mannequin wearing it, and I thought it was, like, a Barbie doll. So, yeah, it's very small. Oh. If you've never been in the house or if the last time you were there was on a field trip in third grade, you should definitely make a point to stop in sometime. On Friday night, there are going to be ghost tours of the house with findings from the paranormal investigations, first-hand accounts of the house's hauntings. So they give information about tours that you can take. Uh, you can head across the street to Molly Fontaine's Lounge for dinner and drinks afterwards. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that is the brief history of why the place is haunted. Poor Molly had a rough go of it. Yeah. That sucks. Yes. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Oh, okay. So actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the tour. Um, this is a little out of order from how we did it, but that's totally fine. Um, we, so they call it Millionaire's Row. And these houses are really nice. Now, because we were doing this at night, you couldn't go into the homes. We just got to walk up. One of them, we got to go up onto the porch because it is, I think it's the museum that may be the one that you were talking about. Yes. I can't remember because we stopped at like three of them. Mm -hmm. And it's been several weeks since I went to Memphis. Yeah, I believe it's a, it's a museum now. Yeah. So we got to go up on the porch and I may have picture. I, I do have pictures. I, maybe I can like skim through very quickly and find them just so I can remember what was what. Anyway, we stopped at this first house and it, um, oh, look, I found it. Wow. <laughs> I'm so smart. I'm going to find the first house because I know it had a picture in front of it. That's Woodruff Fontaine. No. Okay. So it was a different house. Um, this is the Woodruff. Did you see pictures of Woodruff Fontaine? No, I did not. That's okay. kind of, it's cool looking. It's very nice, old timey, uh, Victorian style home. Mm -hmm. um, that was one across the street from it that's also haunted. Yeah. I would just love to live in one of those houses, truly. This is the house we got to go up on the porch. That is intense. Yes. That is an intense house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll post pictures that looks like of a, it. Darn near like a library or like an institute yeah so this is the let me see if i can read the freaking sign it's the something neely house if i remember correctly zoom in mallory neely house so um okay and the steps are pretty decrepit when you get up there like the porch is kind of falling apart and stuff when you get to it mm -hmm. but um we got to go up on this porch and the our tour guide he had a couple of things that we used, um, like the uh, 
EMF reader and we used, he also had an app. It wasn't ghost Tube, but it was something else that kind of, it was like a spirit box app. Ooh. And this picture turned out really creepy where I was taking a picture of the yeah. molding up on the ceiling on yeah. the porch. I think those are called medallions in case you were curious. Mm. The things that go around the bases of lights, chandeliers, things like that. Medallions. Mm -hmm. Okay, here, the Mallory Neely house was established in 1852. So it is a very old house. She's an old lady. And it's got a a little description outside a plaque. It's a 25-room Italian villa-style mansion. One, two, three, four, five. My house is a five-room house Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's not counting the basement. That would make it seven rooms. Wow. Yep. And it became a museum in 1973. So, but we're back here. We've got our EMF. We've got oh, my, our... I have a bathroom, eight rooms. I'm so dumb. <laughs> I was like, where do I poop at night? <laughs> at night? This is the only time I poop. I have a very strict pooping schedule. It's 9159 now, everybody knows. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... The we're standing up on the porch. They're giving us a little bit of history about the house. And um, he said that they have really good luck with they also use a a cat toy, which sounds weird. But I feel like this is a a thing we've come across more recently in the paranormal community. Yeah, it's like a little clear ball that light. it's a it is a cat toy. It's a felines toy. (laughs) But when you touch it, it lights up. So it's very sensitive. So if you sit it somewhere and you ask someone to touch it, it should react and light up. So mm-hmm. he said that Much they had cheaper than a REM pod, I'm sure. Yeah. He said that they had been getting um, some activity with the cat toys. So they kind of put it in a corner of the porch and we all stood in a circle and we were asking questions like, is anybody here? What's your name? Um, how old are you? Things like that. And uh, I think I'm um, going to do my best to open Ghost Tube right now to find it because he, the spirit box was getting some weird stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was actually getting names. So when we were standing on the porch, it gave me, he asked, um, can you tell us your name? Mm-hmm. And my phone immediately answered with Catherine. Okay. And... He asked another question, something like, are you okay with us here or something like that? And it said, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then we got the word priest and dress. So I, it was one of those, I didn't want to be that person that's like, I don't know. You you know what I mean? The person that pulls out your phone and starts doing a, a EVP session in the middle of the tour. Right. Not that person. But I kind of kept quiet and when he asked for the name and they waited for a long time and he's like, okay, we'll ask something else. And I'm like, um, excuse me, I'm actually using something too. And I told him we got Catherine. So they started asking Catherine questions. And mm-hmm. Were you um, stressed like, oh no, I made up Catherine? <laughs> I did. I started panicking. I'm like, was there anyone named Catherine who lived here? Mm-hmm. And so we may have to look into the history of the Mallory Neely house. Okay. Just to see if a Catherine existed mm. um, or if there was a priest there. Yeah. But... Uh, so that was at the Mallory Neely house, just a little bit of activity where I was getting intelligent responses to his questions. Mm -hmm. And then we headed down and got to stand in front of the Fontaine house, Yeah, which you, we didn't go up to the porch. We just stood on the sidewalk and talked about it, but he's giving the history about the house, everything you just said a little bit more. And I still had ghost tube going 
and I got it said cat. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing. And I was like, "Is there a cat?" And I started looking around, like, "Where's the cat?" And I, I can't make this up, you guys. So <laughs> I knew nothing about this when we went, and so I'm laughing. I'm like, "Is there a cat in the house?" And I was like trying to ask Ghost Tomb, and as I'm asking this, I'm kind of towards the back of the tour at this point, and our tour guide's way up at the front. I mean, there's got to be at least 30, 40 people in this tour. Yeah. He's all the way at the front and he goes, and we've had some people claim that they've seen and felt a ghost cat up in the attic. And I said, (laughs) what? Is the cat's name Catherine? (laughs) And I was like, dude, I don't want to be that person, but my phone said cat right before you said that. Did you tell him? I did. And I, well, I told the people around, I started laughing. I was like, shut up. Because me and dad were like, what? When we saw it on the phone. Yeah. And the girls turned around. I'm like, my phone just said cat. And they're like, oh my God. And started freaking out. <laughs> and then did he say the thing about the cat or did th- he My say phone it? said cat. And then he's like, some people claim there's a ghost cat in there. And then you told them that your phone said cat. Mm-hmm. That's see. why I was like, shut up. And he said it was in the attic. My phone said attic. I was like, this is, I've, ghost tube is really hit and miss. And it was on one that night. I don't know, man. Yeah. All right. So then, um, we just talked about the house across the street. I got a couple other, I got Peter and Mm -hmm. where am I? Um, and then mother and nurse. So I was asking because the husband died in the house or he died when they lived in the house. Yes. Yeah. And I asked him, like, did you have a live-in nurse that was with you? I was trying to get a name. And I got the name Randy. Okay. So I don't know. Nurse Randy took care of <laughs> I've known some women named Randy. You know, well, you, you never know, know. You never know. Randall. Nurse Randall. Or it could have been a male nurse. It could have. It could have been. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... Unfortunately, we didn't get to go up into the houses, except for the one we got to stand on the porch. So this is where I got a lot of... Uh, ghost tube action which was kind of cool yes so you have two more locations mm-hmm. uh do you remember the two that you have obviously so we went to the mounds yes and then the square which would you like me to cover first spoilers i'll tell you i did not cover the mounds okay the mounds essentially we we got to go out. That was the first place we stopped and actually got to get out of the bus. Um, it was, it has Native American roots to it. It's, people say it's a burial ground. Um, it's very high. I mean, it's a huge mound of dirt. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's scary tall. You can climb it if you want to, but I'm like, my legs can never. Um, they said people have experienced some stuff there, but... Is it kind of like 100 step style where it's like, if you try to climb up the mound, they'll push you down. And it's like, yeah, because it's a steep mound, it's you dumb dumb. steep. No, I, I truly can't remember what they said. And I didn't feel anything out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did talk about, that's when we got a lot of history about Memphis itself. Yeah. Though, So it, it was an interesting spot for the history aspect, but really wasn't picking up any spooky vibes there. That's all right. I feel like. If it is even a Native American burial ground, let's, like, not mess with them. They've been through enough, have they not? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just let yeah. that go. So we can talk about the square. We can just skip the mounds. Sorry, it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> okay. I realized I used two different sources on the square, and I realized in this first source that it technically discusses all of it, but I think I'm going to use the second source for the uh, accident anyway, because mm-hmm. I like it. I don't know. Okay. I'm, as much as you can like an accident. 
But anyway, here's a little bit about the Memphis Court Square. Wow. Court Square provides the perfect place to sit in peace amidst the hustle and bustle. I added bustle. My God, how old am I? Of downtown Memphis. (laughs) Okay, that's it. See you next week. Dang. (laughs) I hate it here. Uh, The quiet oasis is surrounded by office buildings and busy streets and offers a shady area with fountains, statues, and a gazebo and places to relax and enjoy the restored antique trolleys going by on Main Street. The square is located between Main and 2nd Streets at Court Avenue. Of all the four original municipal parks laid out by the city planners in 1819, Court Square is the only one left in its original form. Ironically, the land was set aside to build a courthouse, but no courthouse was ever built on Court Square. (laughs) It was, however, the site of Memphis's first schoolhouse. The land for Court Square was donated by John McLemore, Sure. uh, one of the founders of Memphis. Uh, In 1876, the Hebe, the Heb Fountain. It's just H-E-B-E. Heb, Heb. I can't remember what they called it, sorry. Uh, Fountain, donated to the city by some prominent city leaders, was erected in the center of the park. In Greek mythology, Hebe was the cup bearer (laughs) to the gods. Memphians have enjoyed the fountain practically nonstop since it was dedicated. The light display at night is especially beautiful. Hard to hard to imagine, but there's only there's okay. It's hard to imagine. This is their fault. Uh, but there's one drowning associated with the fountain, mm-hmm. and this is where I'm going to jump to the other thing. Unless I guess I'll skip I'll skip the. Uh, you know, accident and say the fountain is made of cast iron and is 20 feet high with a diameter of 35 feet and weighs, I see, you're showing me visuals. Yes, it's very, while you're explaining it, it's like you can't even see the top of it in my picture. Uh, it weighs 7,000 pounds in case you're curious. <laughs> it is a copy after the great Italian sculptor Antonio Canova. In, mm-hmm. in 1932, a movement was started to remove the fountain from Core Square. Uh, Hebe is nude from the waist up. Oh, yes. At the very top. That's, I hate that I didn't get it, but she's cut off. You can see her leggies up at the top. Oh. Oh, it looks like that little bit oh. on your phone makes it look like it's censored. Like her little, her. <laughs> no. And what year did you say it was put in? Uh, let's see. It was put in in 1876. Okay. But in 1932, the movement started to remove the fountain from Court Square. Uh, Heb, I'm just mm-hmm. going to keep saying Hebe, is nude from the waist up. But their efforts didn't succeed. In 1942, the statue was toppled in a windstorm and in 1949 re-erected after restoration. In 1957, the fish were changed back from goldfish to catfish, but so many was stole- were stolen that the fish were taken out altogether. Mm. In 1980, the fountain was completely renovated. There's a little bit more. Uh, whatever. I'm going to get to the sad stuff. Oh, good. A mysterious death in Court Square. Uh, How could anyone have drowned in the Court Square Fountain? Well, let's find out, shall we? Of all of our city's parks, downtown's Court Square probably seems like the unlikeliest place for anybody to die by drowning. After all, it's blocks away from the Mississippi River, and the square's historic fountain is too shallow to be a danger. Besides, there's a cast iron fence around the entire basin. Uh, But it didn't always look that way. And I don't think... I may jump back because I think it misses a little... A little tidbit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the massive fountain was unveiled back in 1876, topped with the bronze statue of Hebe, the, oct- <laughs> the octagonal basin was actually a concrete moat. Okay, it does say it. It was a concrete moat 
more than six feet deep, mm-hmm. often stocked with catfish, turtles, and if you can believe some accounts, a couple of alligators. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and there was no fence around it. If anybody thought the showpiece of Court Square was a hazard, they never said anything about it until the afternoon of August 26, 1884. That day, 10-year-old Claude Pugh, described as, quote, a newsboy and small for his age, was sitting on the stone rim of the fountain playing with a toy boat in the water. He leaned too far over and tumbled in, and since the bottom of the fountain was sloped, also, asterisk, six feet deep. Yeah. Um... And slippery from algae, he could not regain his footing. What's incredible is that the park was filled with visitors that day who could have saved the boy, but didn't even try. Quote, there were a number of men, women, and children in the square at that time, reported the Memphis Daily Appeal the following day. And not an effort was even made to save him. Um, stalwart, stalwart men did not move a muscle, but stood silently by with staring eyes and gaping mouths. After struggling for several minutes, Pew slipped beneath the surface. Newspaper editors expressed their outrage at the people who witnessed the tragedy. Quote, their hearts must have been made of stone and the milk of human kindness in their breasts sour way. Oh. More consideration should have been given a dumb beast. Which, like, <laughs> that's kind of mean, but okay. Yeah. When a fireman was finally called to the scene, it took him more than 15 minutes to recover the boy's body. Uh, from the water. By that time, of course, it was too late. Little Claude Pugh, described by the appeal as, quote, or described by the appeal as, quote, the son of a widow of good family and her chief pride and comfort, was buried in Elmwood Cemetery. No gravestone marks the site today. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And I-, I feel like you told me a reason why no one tried to help him. That's a little different from what you were told, yes? Yes. Um, I don't remember if it was something with the mother that uh, they didn't like her or the family. I don't know. No, I thought it was the statue of Hebe and her exposed top half. Am I making this up? Uh, they didn't like the fountain there. Yeah, I guess. Um, I thought you said it was in protest of the fountain. Probably. I'm trying to remember what they said. That sounds about right. Uh, whatever the case is. Okay, everybody's getting crazy in this house. Oh, why'd the door open? Little lady opened it. <laughs> I oh. know, I saw a little orange hand come through. Do you see her at all? No. She's not out there. You don't see her? <sighs> what? She's she's not in the hall? No. No, she's nowhere to... I didn't even see her run. I see there a little orange hand just popped the door open. Uh, and I'm guessing maybe it was Lady and Maple barking just scared her away. Uh, but I don't know. A cat just opened... A paw just opened the door and there's no cat in sight. And Megan has a view of two of the rooms in the house and I have a view of the hallway in the other bedroom. No cat. No, don't see her. I almost want to... Hey, Maddie. No, we'll find out. No, in a minute. Okay. I think that's why Maple's barking. Maybe she went outside. But uh, the house gets spookier every day. Wow. Hmm. Anyway. The ghost cat's back. No, I believe you said it was something about it was in protest of the statue because it was pornographic, essentially. Yeah, that there sounds right. Hi, lady. Um, they were talking about breastuses. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> heebies-jeebies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
so funny. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> no. Um, so Claude did go into the fountain. And what I heard was much more sinister than just people standing and gawking. As a matter of fact, the mother tried to go and rescue him and get him out of the water. And the men locked arms made a human chain around the fountain and would not let the mother get to her son and let him drown in protest in protest because they said the fountain was like pornographic and Mm -hmm. shouldn't be in the square and this was their way of protesting like look how unsafe this fountain is you should get rid of it yeah and they blockaded the boy so he couldn't get out yeah so mom just had to watch her son drown and these people would not let her through because they didn't like seeing boobs. Who doesn't like seeing boobs? Right. Like, I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was really terrifying to hear that story. Yeah. Um, so at the fountain, we use the EMF readers. We use the cat toy, uh, the same apps. Uh, but we also use dowsing rods at this point. Now, he had a couple set of dowsing rods and he was asking if anyone wanted to use it. And everyone was like, oh, I don't want to touch it. I'm scared. And I was like, I've, he asked if anyone used it before. I'm literally the only one in the group. And I was like, cool, that's great. Yeah. And so when they asked if someone else wanted to use it, I didn't want to say yes. Cause I'm like, well, I've already used it before. I know what it's like. So if someone else wants a chance, but then everyone's like, no, I don't want to. Ah, your cat just scratched me. Lady, um, get out of here. Ugh. Go. Shoo. Shoo. <laughs> Jeez, this house is a prison that's why we keep the door shut anyway um so many interruptions they were asking who wanted to use the dowsing rods i did not speak up they were dad was like trying to tell me to say yes and i was like eh, i want to give someone else a chance if they want to but everyone was like too afraid to and i was five seconds from being like i yeah i guess give me the and rods. um they it, some guy next to me I was like, go ahead and try it, dude. Like, it's not, I was talking him into, I was hyping him up. It was a guy, he was probably about dad's, mom and dad's age. And he's like, okay. So <laughs> he took one set and this lady on the other side took a set, which is cool because they weren't near each other. Yeah. And we started asking questions. He said that Claude um, recognizes the tour guides at this point because they visit so often. So they bring him little toys, mm-hmm. like little army men and stuff. And I'm just That's like, really oh, that sad. Sucks. That's so messed up. Yeah. Like either way. One, people standing and staring and doing nothing to stop it. Or, in protest of a fountain and some boobies, you're going to kill a boy. Mm-hmm. Well, a little boy died. Awful. They should have all been tried for murder, truthfully, but... Anyway. So, Premeditated. He, he, <laughs> he brings a little toy, like little army men and stuff, for Claude and puts it down. He's asking if Claude is there. And I don't know if you probably didn't notice in the picture because I wasn't pointing it out, but you can see they've lined up three EMFs Mm -hmm. along the cast iron fence Mm -hmm. and I'm holding an EMF reader as well. Or I think John is somebody is. And they're kind of like boop, 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 boop with some of the questions, but not all the way. They kind of go in yellow, orangish. Yeah. But we are getting a little bit of a response. Now the dowsing rods, there was one question he asked at one point, um, And the girl was uh, at the other end, who wasn't near me, was talking about how her dowsing rods were doing something weird. Um, Because the other, the guy next to me holding, he's like, I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, usually a good place to start is, hey, can you show me what yes is? Can you show me what no is? Mm -hmm. And that's like, at least you can set some boundaries here so you know what answers look like. Right. So I told him that's a good thing to ask. 
But the tour guide asked a question and the girl was like, oh, my Dustin rods are being weird. <laughs> and we looked at the other end and one is pointing straight forward and one is pointing straight back at her. Okay. Which I cannot remember what that usually means, but it's not great. I was going to say, I feel like it's like, I don't want to talk. Yeah. Like, that's like it's a, kind of ending the conversation. Yeah. Um, and then the guy next to me, uh, her dousing rods kept going back to that same position, like the complete opposite position. And then his dousing rods did the exact same thing. They pointed away from each other, pointed mm -hmm. straight forward and straight at him. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like that's not good. Like yeah. something about this. And maybe it's the men being there made him upset. I mean, possibly. Yeah. Or, I mean, knowing the story about what happened to Claude, all of us just standing there staring at the fountain is probably PTSD. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. It's like a trauma response. Like, can y'all please stop staring at me? <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, everyone just stood there and was looking at the fountain. I, now that I, th I wasn't thinking about it in the moment, but now that I'm like replaying it in my head, I bet that made him uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's kind of eerie. When I was using Ghost Tube, I did get, uh, I got the name Carl. And I don't know if that was his attempt at saying Claude. I mean, possibly, possibly. Mm -hmm. And then it said Portal. And so I don't know. Yeah. It's very possible. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Just watching her struggle. Uh, oh, God. Now I'm, oh, I just kicked the stand. Okay. That's um, fine. But yeah, that was probably the saddest part of the tour was hearing about Claude. And with the toys and stuff, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it wasn't as interactive as I would like. Of course, I would love to go into places, but it's also a bus tour, so I was lucky that we were able to get off as, as many stops as we did. True. Um, really, that's it. I wish I had more, but it was it was very interesting hearing other people's experiences, what you shared. Yeah. Um, I would... I would hate to make the drive back, but I would love to go back to Memphis to <laughs> yeah. check out the museum and get a chance to actually go inside of it and right. check it out. Which, I mean, like, one of the places I mentioned, uh, at least Woodruff Fontaine, mm -hmm. has ghost tours. Granted, I think that was an older article, but mm -hmm. um, they may still do ghost tours, like, actually inside the house. Right, right. And my tour guide, the tour guides were funny and they were informative and um, I thought it was good. I think it was worth it. I want to say it was only, uh, don't quote me on this, I want to say it was like 30 bucks for a ticket. Yeah. So not that bad. No. Uh, I would recommend if you're in the area, it was really fun to check that out. They do have other types of tours that they do, but that's for the bus tour. So you get to be in the air conditioning, especially that Memphis heat when it's coming on. Or, I do love that. Mm -hmm. um, there were some other fun things I did in Memphis that have nothing to do with ghosts. But <laughs> I did right. my first escape room. Nice. <laughs> that was fun. You hadn't done it? I had done one before. I thought you did one for some reason. No, I've never done one. Oh, okay. We did the Memphis escape room. I think that's what it, they're, they have two locations and I did Shadow Manor, which was really cool. <laughs> Jordan even helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she didn't realize she helped, but she did. Yeah. So yeah, uh, 
I mean, there's so much to do in Memphis. Of course, I went to Graceland. Uh, you got to do that while you're there. Right. And yeah, just the history behind it. And if I just if we can make the trip back sometime soon, I'd like to do the ghost tour again. And we may have some other things lined up for you involving Memphis. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all I've got. Nice. Unrelated. You, this is our um, 98th episode. Regular episode. We've done a, over 100 at this point uh, all together. Yeah. But as far as our regular episodes go, we're coming up on 100, homie. Oh, we gotta do something fun for the, the big 100. I know. I keep forgetting that it's coming up and I'm saying it out loud now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in the open and we are both held accountable if we forget. I gotta look ahead and see what is number 100. So we've got two more coming up? Yes, this is gonna be 98. This is I believe. <laughs> you better uh-huh. chickety check yourself. <laughs> uh, <let's see. laughs> Look at you checking while we're, we're just going to say your Yeah, stuff. whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's 98. 98? You okay. can hear my clicking in the background. I don't care. Mm, okay. I won't tell you what 100 is yet. Okay. I mean, y'all can figure it out you real can, fast if you, you know the alphabet. I was going to say you could do math, but it's not math. It's the <laughs> alphabet. <laughs> On that note, um, yeah, if you're in the Memphis area, definitely check it out. Lots of fun stuff to do. Oh, my God, the food is great. It's so expensive, but it's great. Uh, $100 breakfast, I was shocked and surprised at. Huh? Uh-huh. No. Went to, we had breakfast at the liquor store. It was wonderful. Oh, it's called I'm, the liquor store. Okay, well, I'm very, I am a cheap date, so... Well, we offered to pay for uh, mine, John's, and then our parents. My parents, I should say. Well, I'm saying ours is us. This is weird. Anyway, I'm over explaining. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was just down the street from our Airbnb, and rel- it was close by. And um, I saw there was a place called the liquor store, and it came up for breakfast. And I laughed. I was like, ha ha. But yeah. then I opened it. I was like, it really is like breakfast, brunch, lunch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, they, include the gratuity anyway mm-hmm. like your tax and your 20 percent is already in your bill you don't have a choice <laughs> yeah i mean should kind of be that it's weird it's like we should just pay a livable wage to begin with but whatever yeah i mean we also tipped on top of it just because it felt weird putting like nothing i don't know even yeah. though we knew the tip was included but yeah it came up to a hundred freaking dollars which i suppose for, for four people i guess that may if you say that i'm like okay I just went to Grand Traverse today, and we spent almost 40 bucks on the two of us, so... Yeah, we also had mixed drinks. There were two mixed drinks on the table, so... Mm. Yeah, it just... It was expensive, but it was good. It was... (laughs) I had, like, a sweet potato hash thing. It had, like, spinach and over-easy eggs and... Okay, well, I'm hungry. Mm. Quit. It's dinner time. Put some Cholula on that. I love Cholula (laughs) so much. God, it is the best one. I did just recently try Valentina hot sauce. Uh Uh-huh also very good it's up there i hate oh. tabasco oh i hate sriracha is not even hot texas sauce pete? don't try me texas pete i don't <laughs> care <laughs> not texas pete <laughs> texas pete works in a pinch <laughs> i guess tabasco is one of the worst ones though come at me i don't care it's just vinegar it's hot vinegar. It is what it is man <laughs> okay we need to get out of here because now i'm hungry i'm i know i'm thinking about food and heebies jeebies <laughs> heebies jeebies i thought it was pretty i think i'm pretty funny <laughs> we're 
We're going to put it on a shirt. You wait. Uh, and it's going to be right where you think it's going to be. Heebies jeebies. Heebies jeebies. <laughs> okay, we got to go. Yep. Okay, uh, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening. Mixing, editing, and music is by Kelsey Ingram. Our cover art is done by both of us. Visit our website at orsotheysaypod.com. You can find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at orsotheysaypod. If you would like to donate and have access to all of our evidence from our investigations, please visit patreon.com slash orsotheysaypod. You can donate as little as $1 to hear EVPs, watch haunting videos, and see photographic evidence we've captured during our travels. You can also give a once-off donation to our PayPal, which will be linked on our website as well. Merchandise can be found at redbubble.com slash people slash or so they say pod. You can find or so they say on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And when you do find us, please make sure to rate, review, follow, or subscribe. We and the algorithms will thank you for it. See See you next week. week.